Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 27 of the Avocado Gamescast, the Avocado's gaming podcast. I'm Merv, and today we're going to be talking about level design. But before we get to that, let's meet the folks who are joining me today. First up, he keeps getting creationist junk mail for some reason. It's science is bad. Oh, I, I get all kinds of junk mail. So I can imagine that. <laughs> Next, he's out subbing while you're stuck here dubbing. Say hello to Kajigger Des. Hola, que tal? Or, uh, hey, how's it going for the Spanish impaired? Yeah, repping, repping the, the Spanish-speaking contingent. <laughs> um, their quirk is getting Midoriya and Bakugo to finally hug it out. Give a warm welcome to Penny Bee's Hero Academia. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to be here on this OC discussion podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gotta get those OCs I didn't there. sign up for this. <laughs> None of us signed up for any of this. Is and... Tisha Barton going to be on? No. Probably. And finally, he's a pinball wizard and a Final Fantasy fiend. It's Andy Tuttle. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I definitely have the best name here. It's it's fake. It's not my real name. I promise. <laughs> we we you, won't. You could have gone by like Bandy Buttle. <laughs> speaking of oh, fa- yeah. guys, speaking of fake names, how do y'all feel about uh, Sleeve McDykel and Bobson Dugnut? <laughs> what? <laughs> so. Um, Recently, it came to light that uh, in an old Japanese baseball game, uh, they had to make up fake names for an American team. And one of the fake names they came up with was Bobson Dugnut. Another one was Sleeve McDykel. Other names include uh, Willie Dustus, Dean Wesley, uh, Raul Chamberlain. Wow, that's the name. Ray I like this. Yeah, Dugnut is the best one. Yeah. Hi, my name is Dugnut. Oh, I, I think my favorite is Todd Gonzalez. Like, they just <laughs> changed the T to a B. It, it's almost Hispanic, but just... Yeah, they also got Mike yeah, they... Cernandez. Yeah, I, I just think a lot about how whenever, like, you come up with a name for any other, like, culture beyond your own, it's like... It's fun seeing the um, it come back on like American culture. Yeah, sure. it's it's definitely renowned on us. I mean, they could have gone with like Joe Smith, but no, it's too. You know, you gotta go shoot for the moon, right? Yeah, what they did was they they basically took um, existing players' names and shifted a few letters, or they stole the last names of hockey players and added new first names. Oh, okay. So that's how well, they that got. Works. That's why they got like a, a random Russian name in there. They got Anatoly Smorin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they just got a hockey player in there for no, for mm. some reason. Um, so, other than old Japanese baseball games from the 1990s, what have you guys been playing? Science. What have you been up to? Oh my god, I've been playing three games uh, a lot, and. Um, probably maybe somebody else played Cuphead be- besides me. Anybody else played Cuphead? Yeah, I've been playing Cuphead. Okay, uh, so I'll I'll refrain from that. Um, uh, okay, I'll 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 talk about Divinity Two because I'm not sure if anyone else played it except for me. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of good things about it. I heard it's yeah. also a lot like the first game that you can do some absolutely ridiculous things. It's it's very 
complicated, like complex, and I'm not sure if I am equipped uh, to uh, talk about it. Um, it's an isometric RPG, uh, like, um, you know, uh, Baldur's Gate or Torment, um, games like that. Um, it's, uh, it's not based on Dungeons and Dragons. It has its own universe. Um, the combat is not real time. It's, uh, well, it wasn't quite real time in Baldur's Gate, but it's, uh, very tactical here and turn based and, um, you know. Uh, like turns are very specifically like regimented. Um, so it's more like is, is it tactical in the sense that positioning matters a lot, or is it just oh yeah. like okay? So it's not like your standard JRPG turn-based battles. It's not like that, but you have like um, it is. It is about positioning and like if you're higher up, you deal more damage with a ranged character and. All that, but also it has like um, kind of a uh, old Fallout style battle, you know, like uh, Fallout One and Fallout Two. You have action points, like green pips at the bottom of the screen, and different actions like take different um, amount of those action points. Um, so the combat is like uh, it, it's it's hard to talk about because I've been playing for 19 hours and I I'm still in the first area. Um, oh. It's one of yeah. those games, a really long one. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 said to take about a hundred hours. Um, oh so, dear. <laughs> yeah, but but it the combat is really well done. It's the game is hard as shit, but uh, it it's like mm, a lot of skills like intermingle. Like there's a very good like harmony. Uh, you can feel that they really worked on combining different skills together to make combos. Um, and even combos that you don't even think about, like an enemy can like cast um, uh, a spell called uh, something about uh, blood rain, not 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 the game, the spell. Um, so basically, blood rains down from the heavens and damages you. But my character is a necromancer and can heal with blood pools. So. While standing in the rain, he can also use a skill to heal himself. Um, nice. Yeah, so and he can also freeze the blood so that other characters will slip on it. And like this, <laughs> this creates some really crazy shit happening on the battlefield. And you can make some really neat combos. And like, um, yeah, I think blood can... ice is, is pretty ridiculous <laughs> by itself. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 neat. Um, it's very hard though, and. Um, also, um, the, um, the, uh, conversations, the, um, role-playing aspect of the game, like, um, talking to people, character interactions, is also very robust. Like, everything in the game is voiced, even narration, every oh, wow. little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's a Herculean effort. I don't know how they did that, but every, every dialogue in the game, everything is voiced. Kind of puts, um, like... I've been playing like Persona Five and Danganronpa V3 recently, and only like a third of the lines in each of those games is voiced. So. Yeah, yeah. Playing this, this is, yeah, this is insane. I, I have no idea how they did that. Uh, it's very impressive, um, and you know, it's it's uh, also your car, the companions that you are traveling with are very interesting, and they uh, are chiming in very frequently. Uh, on the situation and uh, every quest you kind of complete and are you in, in, and you're in the middle of they can like 
uh, talk about it, and they have their own agendas and own own quests. Um, you can also uh, control them. You know, you can like uh, talk as them to uh, people. Oh boy, there's so much in this game. Like I, I I've been playing for 19 hours, and I don't think I, I've you can even scratch the surface. Yeah, I've seen all there is to see. No, no, this is like a huge, huge game, and it's very impressive. Like I, I think it's the best RPG I've played in a long, long while. Uh, better than any of those, you know, torments, Numenera, and um, Planescape. Uh, Not Planescape. Uh, pillars. No, yeah, Pillars of Eternity. Yeah, all, all wow. of those were pretty good, but this is like a whole other level of like. Um, complexity and you can see that they really worked on uh like very um like every every little thing is like polished to a degree that that's surprising so if if you're into that if you're into like rpgs that take a long time and and are very complex um but not complicated you don't feel overwhelmed uh, a lot of the time it's a it has a pretty good tutorial but uh if you're into that i i would strongly advise you play this game it's not even i don't think it's 60 bucks so it's it's not even full price on pc um it will come to console because it has a very good very good um um xbox 360 and uh, other i think ps3 also maybe uh controller support uh, ps4 sorry uh so uh, if you're if you're willing to wait for a console release I, i'm sure it'll happen um it's yeah so, bucks on steam yeah 45 bucks yeah. so it, that's a steal. It's a, it's, it's a, yeah, highly recommend this game. It's, it's fantastic. So, that's, that's my game. I, I'm very excited to hear like a good second opinion on the um, writing in the game because there was a tweet I saw the other day. Um, it described uh, the game as having the absolute most realistic lesbian dialogue in any video game ever made. In which, like, you choose to flirt with one of the characters, and, like, the second they respond, one of your options is, like, break into a cold sweat upon realizing that line has actually worked and stammer something unintelligible. <laughs> yeah, the writing is... That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the writing is excellent. And it continues with, like, then the person, like, if you choose that, the person responds, like, sorry, I didn't catch that. And then your other option is blush intensely and say you have to go, which, <laughs> relatable. It sounds like, it sounds yeah. like anime. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of like when I'm talking to the companions that you have with you, um, there's like um, um, a system where they have affinity for you, and you really want to pick the thing they want to hear. So it's kind of like a dating sim at times. Oh, so it's like Dragon go. Age, where you, where it's <laughs> yeah. a morality system. You kind of want, yeah, you yeah. say what makes people happy. Yes, exactly. That you know, that's a little bit. I, they made the, the the same system in so many games. I wish this game like kind of switched up, you know, kind of like uh, tried something else. But it works, so I'm I'm not, you know, offended by 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 the simplicity of it. But uh, a lot of the time, you're just like, oh, what what's this person wants me to say at this point? You know, it's like exactly like real life. <laughs> what about uh, resource and item management on the game? Because those were the things that are really annoying for me in RPGs. Oh, I, when it comes to all, there's no, uh, I don't, what well, there is encumbrance, but it's like I have like hundreds and hundreds of items and I still haven't gotten encumber, over encumbered. Um, so you can collect everything and you, you, you don't have to give a shit about like collecting it. 
but when it comes to like managing it, um, it's pretty good. It has some nice tabs for you to like uh, locate everything. But once you have like a hundred items, because you can collect most things in the game, like barrels and chests, you know, you can. I I couldn't unlock a chase a chest, so I just took it with me. <laughs> and, <it> was, <laughs> and I was just carrying it for 10 hours un- until I've gotten a lockpick and I opened it and I threw it away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, this game that's is amazing. great. Yeah, this there's this game is full of stuff like that, and I I really recommend every everyone checking it out. Even if you're maybe not a fan of those, you know, isometric RPG games, because um, yeah, this this is something special. Yeah, like, I, I'm not generally a huge fan of that genre, but everything I've heard about uh, the Divinity Original Sin games makes me want to check them out. Yeah. So, uh, I might give them a look. Um, so, uh, Andy, what have you been playing? Oh, man. Uh, well, this week, uh, I think it was this week, the new Pinball Effects game came out, Pinball Effects 3. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, so I've been playing been, that. I've been playing that a lot. They added this new feature where... Uh, it's a matchup, or maybe it's not new. I don't know. I don't remember from FX2, but basically, you you go in and they give you four tables for the week, and uh, you, you play them. You get a score, higher score gets you these medals, and you just go up the leaderboard. So I've been doing that a lot recently um, with pinball effects. Neat. Um, is it the uh, more fantastic pinball or the more realistic pinballs? A pinball sim. I think things and and your ball like catches on fire and uh you use it to like you know knock over ghosts and things like that so it's it's not like the pinball arcade by farsight studios if you've ever played that where they actually emulate um real pinball tables this is more uh like they have a family guy table and you know all the characters are there and they talk and they make their jokes and shit so okay so it's it's maybe a little bit more unrealistic than do you guys remember the old full tilt games Yes, yeah. I think I've played so, one. A little more unrealistic than that is mm-hmm. what you're, you're, you're saying. How many tables do they have, like, overall? Oh, man. Uh, I'd have to pull it up. I mean, there's... I mean, I have 34 tables right now, and Whoa. I probably have... That's probably half of them, so there's probably about 70 or so tables. Yeah. The one thing that, that upset me was is um, not all the tables carried over from the previous games. So, like, in FX2, they had... Uh, a couple of South Park tables and uh, a Street Fighter table from FX1, and those didn't carry over into this next game. So oh. that was that kind of bummed me out a little bit. But other than that, I mean, they did a, a graphical update on everything, so all their older tables have a facelift, and uh, it just it really pops on the screen. It's it's a great game. I have a lot of fun. Um, have they have they said anything about um, bringing those old tables back to the to the third one? Via I, I update or something? Well, I checked the uh, the message boards on their website, and basically the, the studio said that they would love to bring them back, but they don't have any control over it, and the, oh, yeah. the likelihood uh, is low. Uh, oh, yeah, if, they have other, if there are other IP involved in the licensing, then it can be really tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's about it. Um, I've also sure. been playing Final Fantasy, obviously. As Merv said, I'm, I'm really into that <laughs> game. Final Fantasy XIV. I think I play that just about every day. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know how to say this name. It, what's the series called? It's YS East. Yeah, oh, yeah. YS? Playing, who knows? Yeah. yeah. YS. I played <laughs> YS 8 on the PS4. Uh, I think I'm about 20 or so hours into that. 
and uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. I've never played an East game before, so I didn't really know what to expect. I was thinking more turn-based, but it's actually like a, a, a hack-and-slash RPG, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not bad. I'm liking it a lot. Hmm. Wikipedia okay. says pronounced East. So East. We right. Oh. Okay. All right. Good to know. Le- leave it to Japanese games to have the most confusing names ever. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, the, the subtitles of that series are really weird. Yeah. Like the Kingdom Hearts series is like I think the the weirdest um, <laughs> in the naming convention. I don't know what you're talking about. 358 over <laughs> two. It's just rolls of, of the tongue. Yeah. Like dream, dream drop, drop distance. distance. Yeah. 2.8. 0.2 final chapter prologue. Yeah, what even is that? <laughs> I I don't yeah. understand Kingdom Hearts at all, but I have a couple of friends who are just obsessed with it, mm-hmm. and they've played like every game in the series, and I cannot understand like it's an RPG where there's Goofy and characters from Final Fantasy. It just, I mean, I'm sure it works when you play it. It just seems so bizarre as an outsider. Uh, even I. I've, I've, yeah. yeah. Has anyone played I, it? I I've played like every game in the series, and honestly, I can't explain everything either. Like some <laughs> of it just goes under me too. But like I play it anyway because it's it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, which one do you like the best? Um, I would say the um international like the re-release version of two is probably my favorite right now. Like the final mix. That's on the HD collection, just because like I think it added a lot of extra features and like the combat is probably the most fun in that version of the game. Like with the reaction, like there's reaction commands where you can do a lot of really cool scripted attacks when like oh. fighting certain enemies, oh, which really? is really fun and like it's 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 like probably one of the more accessible versions of their combat. I would say like some of the newer games have this weird like chip like system where you equip each skill you're going to use like and you they have cooldowns and everything so it's a little like Nier Automata's system it's 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 a lot more straight up hack and slash in two interesting interesting um so I I take it you Penny you haven't been playing a Kingdom Hearts game recently because Kingdom Hearts 3 still isn't out what happened to (laughs) you playing um well I've been playing a few games. I just finished a couple weeks ago a like 100% playthrough of Final Fantasy X2 or X2, I guess. Oh, which God. Don't, I, I mean, I will say that it is probably one of my favorite Final Fantasy games, but do not go for a 100% playthrough because that's just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, um, I have a... I have how a, are you still I... alive? <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it was a literal like month or two of effort, so... Um, I have um sorry I I need to chime in here because I've got a story here. <laughs> I I played X2 <laughs> multiple times and the third time I played it I said nah, you know fuck it. Like I am never going to get that 100% if I'm not going to use a fucking game pack. Oh, so, I did that. So Yeah, and I and and like I used the game pack like I, I said to myself, okay, I'm not gonna use it all the time, but like just here and there, just to make sure that I've done everything. And then you know, by the like 
second to last chapter or something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at the percentage and I'm like, oh, well, something not not quite yeah. right here. And I'm mm-hmm. going to the fight. It's like hours and hours into the game. Like it's the second to last chapter, and I'm looking at okay, what haven't I done? And I'm okay, okay. In the chapter four, sleep in this one bed. In in a fucking airship one time and you're going to yeah. go up one quarter percent or something. And yeah, if you're um... not going to do that, you're not going to get fucking one hundred percent in the game. Oh my god. It's and there's even it. worse ones. Um in the first mission of the game, first ten minutes, if you don't walk off to a certain like hidden path and interact with one character, you lose a hundred percent for the whole game. What? I, I ended up I and there's a secret ending you only get when you get 100% completions is the worst part. Um, but I ended up cross-referencing like three different guides with each other as I played through, and I had like tr- I I would make a new save every time I saved. So if I messed up, I would just go back a few saves. Yeah, yeah, that's a smart yeah. move. That's a smart um, move. I I I've... wasn't smart. I wasn't smart. I I threw my PlayStation 2 into the garbage. <laughs> Mm. Um, but um, I've also been playing uh, Yakuza Zero, which, if oh, you know like gosh. anything about how I play an open world game, it means that I've spent maybe 20 hours on the game. I've done. I'm in chapter five, and I've of like 16 or so, I think. Yeah. And is. I've already done like 75% of every side quest or something. Oh wow! Oh, man. <laughs> so this was me in any open world game. Don't. Don't play them like I do. <laughs> but um, That's, it's the, a great the, game, though. Like the story gets gets a lot more involved later on. Uh, I forget by chapter four or five, you've met both protagonists, correct? Yes, and I've just got the real estate business opened up oh. in chapter five, which okay. is now what I'm devoting all of my time to. Yeah, that's going to take you thirty hours just to do the real estate. <laughs> um, I mean, half half of my game in Yakuza Zero, my time was spent doing the real estate and the Sunshine Club side mm-hmm. game, just to mm-hmm. unlock. I, their major moves uh, it, I mean it's it's fantastic but yeah it's like you um, know, half the game time yeah, I've, well, I've been like I've been cheesing the Mr. Shakedown battles in Yakuza 0 which like if you can beat him you get an absurd amount of money so I've got I've earned like 10 billion yen already so <laughs> <laughs> amazing the guy's um, name is Mr. Shakedown I love it's it it's so good yeah. um but um, the actual game that I've like been most excited that I've been playing these past two about two weeks or so I think um, is a um, indie game on Steam called Heat Signature. Um, it's from Suspicious Developments, the uh, Gunpoint developers. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of like it's like a little bit of a ro- like procedurally generated roguelike sort of. Um, it plays like a Hotline Miami kind of top down like Carnage based game. But with the instability, let's call it, of a binding of Isaac item drops, mm. where you get these incredibly like overpowered combinations to like completely wreck um, what you're doing. But um, the setup of the game, like, there's really no setup to the game. You start the game for the first time. There's no like t- devs name. There's like no title cards or anything. It immediately pops you in the game. And you pick from, like, a group of four characters. They all, like, randomly named, randomly generated, um, which the names in this game are amazing. It's very... Bob's the Dugnut amazing? (laughs) Kind of. It's very (laughs) akin to, like, Friends at the Table, um, like, 
uh, tabletop podcast. But, um, mm-hmm. To give you an idea of some of the na- characters I've played as, I have played as characters with the names Omen Grounder, <laughs> Corvus Cetera. Oh, that's nice. And one other character is like um, Pro- Proxis, Proxy Nocturne. Nice. <laughs> it's um, very uh, good. So they're procedurally generated. Yeah, they're procedurally generated. And they all, and so when you pick a character, they also have a particular personal goal. And um, you're basically in like a galaxy that's like dominated by like five or like four or five different factions all warring against each other. Mm-hmm. And your goal is to like, for each character, like you're basically filling out, you're, you're, you go through this like loop of like accepting a mission flying out into space with your pod sneaking aboard a ship and then completing whatever objective you've been given these objectives can range from steal this item kill this person capture this person or like hijack this ship so and is it a little bit like invisible ink um i'm not sure i actually haven't played invisible ink but um but, but it's, essentially, uh, real, it's, it's real time, right? You're not yeah, it's, taking it, okay. Well, it is real time in a sense, except the one um, gimmick to this ge- The big gimmick to this game is when you are crawling through a ship, at any point, you can press your space bar, and it freezes time. Mm-hmm. Oh, and in that, in that time, you can like rearrange your equipment. You can queue up actions is the big thing, though. So, like mm. for example... Um, I go onto a ship, and there's a room with three guards in there. And, you know, you can't just, like, my equipment would be, like, I have, like, a, lo- like a long sword and, like, a knife and a gun. Mm-hmm. And you can't, um, you can't, like, you know, like, if you attack one of them, they're all going to start shooting you. So what you do is, like, I would go, like, before I enter the room, you press space bar. I aim with my long sword towards one of the guards. And it, I dash eight meters immediately to like kill that guard. Immediately, you can pause it again, and mm-hmm. then you can. I will use your dagger, which will take out the guard right beside him, and then immediately, through the same like paused freeze time, switch to the gun and shoot the other guy. Hmm. You know that reminds me of a uh, frozen synapse, um, kind of a little bit. Have you pl- anyone you played it? I haven't no. Uh, it's have. like a yeah, it's like a tactical game where you can pull like every turn you plan like five moves ahead of you, and then mm. you kind of see it play out in real time. Yeah, you only queue up one at a time. Oh, okay. this like like it's like you pause it, then you like press, you click on your mouse button because your actions are assigned to left and right click. So mm-hmm. like I just right click, and then you go and attack the guard. Then you immediately pause it again and queue up the, and pr- plan your next move. The oh, okay. thing is, though, this game is one where it's so designed to where you're going to make huge mistakes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the goal is to find a way to get out of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. One, one, great, one of my biggest like, highlights of playing this game, I was on someone's personal mission. Like, the big mission, they had to rescue um, their partner, who was a character I actually was playing as before, but I messed up a mission and I got captured by one of these um, groups. So the, so what happened was when they got captured, you lose access to the character, but the next character to come in was like their brother. And oh. their goal was to save that person. Neat. So I was in this ship. It's a bunch of heavily armed guards. I don't actually have enough um, equipment. They, they, these are actually like armored guards, and you have to have special equipment to kill them. I couldn't do that. 
So what I ended up doing was a lot of like very special like design like sneak around type things. There are items like you can do where um there's one item where if you click on a guard, you will swap places with them through teleports. Mm-hmm. There's another that'll let you teleport to an area for two seconds before you get teleported back. Like a lot of really ways to just like completely like overpower a ship essentially. Um, mm. I got stuck with this guard. Well, I was at my target, but there was like 20 guards in the next room who were looking for me. And what happened was like there was no way out. There's no other ro- exits to this room I'm in. Just out into that hallway with 20 guards who were ready to shoot me dead. Um, so what I ended up doing, there was a window in this room with the guards. I threw a grenade into the room, blasted open the window, which it triggered like a vacuum to shoot out. And what happened was I grabbed the person I was rescuing, ran out and jumped into space. <laughs> and then That's you can use your ship to you remote. You can remote control your ship when you fly out into space. And so what I did was I had to immediately maneuver my ship to, ca- to catch both me and the person I'm rescuing before we died of suffocation. That's neat. That's cool. And I've had so many other like really bad, like great moments like that. Um, also a lot of bad moments, like the time I tried to sneak into a ship and they shot me down with a missile and I, try- I only had like reserve fuel to get back home. And I missed the shot, and my oh. character suffocated in the vacuum of space. Oh. <laughs> but it's... It's, it's a roguelike, right? Yeah, kind of, okay. like, in that sense. Um, but you don't really... Each character's afterwards don't really get progressively better, necessarily. There's, like, liberations you can do once you, like, uh, do enough missions that'll maybe potentially unlock items for you to buy in the shop immediately instead of, like, a rotating shop list. So, like, you can kind of do that, but, like, other than that, no. You you only get equipped by what either you buy in a shop or what you um, find on a ship. And there's no real, like, carryover. Like, when you... Re- it, the only kind of weird carryover that happens is the game actually has an interesting um, collaboration between you and your Steam friends. Um, for characters that, like, get captured or characters who retire... Like, when you retire you get to pick an item. You get, to, uh, like, an item that meant a lot to you or something, like, in your playthrough with that character. You get to name it, and it gets passed down as an artifact that can appear in your friend's games. Oh. Or yeah, the characters or the wow. characters that get captured can also appear, like, in your friend's games. Huh. So it has okay. that kind of interaction. But <laughs> there's no other actual, like, real progression as much. Like, it's, it's not a game I would say that you, like, binge a lot of at a time. I've been playing it, like, in sessions where I would go through one character's, like, story, which there's not really a story, but, like, much is what you fill in, kind of, in that narrative. Like, I had a character who was just, like, a screw-up, so I played, like, a character who was really bad at things to do. <laughs> like, that sort of thing. But it's it's really fun. Like, it's incredibly rewarding to be able to take out, like, an entire ship of 30 guards who are way, like, overpowered with that could, like, kill you in a second. It's really fun, and it's not even... It's it's a very cheap game, I would say. Like, it's $15 on Steam. There's a supporters edition they have as well that's an extra $15 for 30 which comes with, like, prototypes of the game as well as, like, director's commentary and a soundtrack. So, but, like, it's... It's 
a, such a delight to play this, and I really hope a lot more people like find out about it. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it looks interesting um, because uh, it reminds it it reminds me of like a real time Invisible Ink, which I mm. think which I think is a really neat concept. Mm. Um, I mean, it kind of reminded me of uh, Transistor, though, with what he was talking about the battle system, with the queuing of the actions and all this stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, kind yeah, of that's, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they're also, also transistors. Well, it's isometric, not top down, but similar perspective uh, with yeah. transistor. So uh, now you're talking. What are you? What have you been playing? Well, as I say before, I was uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Cuphead. Well, my uh, <laughs> my Steam counter says I've been playing 53 hours, but that's incorrect <laughs> because I I left it open uh, without oh. <laughs> realizing. <laughs> So, okay. <laughs> a friend, a friend messaged me like in the middle, and I like, hey, are you still playing? It says fifty-three hours. Are you insane? Like, no, no, dude. I, I, <laughs> I so my computer didn't catch on fire, so I think it's fine. But uh, well, basically, I mean, I guess most people know what Cuphead is, but if you don't, it's just like a run and gun game. That the main catch is that uh, it has this uh, '30s cartoon aesthetic, yeah. which makes it just. Utterly gorgeous and probably is gonna be like a timeless game. I, I don't think this game will look bad ever. Like, uh, and and you know a lot has been said in the reviews and whatnot that it's Dark Souls hard or whatever. I don't know why they make that comparison. It's basically control meta slug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it, it's like every run and gun game from before that those games are hard. Yeah. Uh, like, I, you know, I die in like five seconds whenever I play one of those. <laughs> I was I was just playing Contra Three the other day and I died like in the first bullet almost. It's like these games are like that, but uh, and I think also most of the game is like a boss rush, and and I think that's where it works better because they, it also has some run and gun levels and those levels are kind of eh, like they don't have much. Uh, but the bosses are really, really good. Like every boss has like uh, three or four different forms, uh, and and every time you die, it tells you how far you were into the boss fight. So that's also pretty good because you don't. It's not like in the old school that oh man, it's getting red or it's shining or whatever. In this one, it has several flags that indicate the different forms that it's gonna change. Uh, so every time you're like. Man, I'm so close. I just need to play a little more, and it just by the time you realize that you've been playing like three hours straight, and it's like, <laughs> and you well, need to let it down. Yeah, it sounds addictive. It is. It is addictive, and it's also you know it's hard, but it's not like arcade hard. You, you know, because arcade games usually cheat you. Like it has a lot of cheap deaths because you know they want your quarters. This one is hard just because. Every time I at least every time I died is because I done something dumb. Like I knew what I did. It's not because a bullet came out of nowhere or <laughs> something off screen killed me. Although, so, so I got a question: When you die at a boss, do you start over at the beginning of the level, or do you just restart at that boss and, and keep fighting him? It's oh. just like the levels are just bosses. Oh, yeah. it's just okay. So there's no like actual level where you're like running through like a platforming area or anything like that. It it does have levels, but those levels, oddly enough, don't really have bosses. I mean, they do have a boss, but it's usually that really simple one. But the main draw of these ones are the levels that are just a boss. Yeah, okay. that's like ninety percent of the levels are just like boss levels. Yeah, so yes. It's like a two D fury. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah yeah I I also really enjoyed Fury, but uh, I think Cuphead has 
like everybody wants to play Cuphead because it looks so good. And Fury was a little more, well, you know, complicated to sell. But, uh, and, and Fury also seemed a little <laughs> cheap sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I did finish Fury, uh, and I do recommend Fury, but I think, like, I think I'm enjoying more uh, Cuphead. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, it's, it, you also have the same thing, like you have different uh, weapons that you can upgrade. Well, no, you don't upgrade it, you just have different types. Uh, you also have some special moves and you have some charms. The charms are like, uh, you take, you have one more HP, but you do less damage. But the one that I, I use and the one that I recommend everybody use is uh, when you dash, you disappear. And that allows you to do like a dodge. And I hope everybody <laughs> does that because if not, it's pretty hard. And the other thing, I, it really helped because uh, for some reason, the the, for the regular mapping of the buttons, it has, I think it's, uh, well, depending on what controller you're using, uh, it has the, in your face buttons, you have shoot, jump, but also the dash. And I was having a lot of problems by shooting, jumping, and dashing because, you know, I don't have, <laughs> I'm not going to use all the fingers and that. So I changed the dash to the right trigger. Yeah, and... yeah, everyone does that. I've read online that everyone does that, and I did that too. And it, I don't know why the developers didn't think about right. that because they're making it the default. Yeah, yeah. you got to give me Mega Man controls. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's what I did. I basically I'm playing it like I'm playing Mega Man X. And well, I mean Mega Man X, you can also dash with 404, but I mean you just usually use the trade. The yeah. Trick. Like nobody takes the other way. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've been playing that. I'm on the third island. Well, the third part of the island. Like every, it, it basically, the plot is that you have to get souls for the devil. So every area you have to defeat all the bosses to get to the other one. And mm -hmm. that's pretty much it. And you just keep going and going and going until, until you get a, uh, burn out every day <laughs> like I, I play one or two bosses every day because i cannot really cope with more I think yeah it's I not a game you can really i, I shouldn't say speed run but it's not a game you can really play for long stretches without getting tense i'm guessing yeah and it's uh, and i don't know oh it also has some levels that are not run and gunish are more like bullet hell i guess because mm -hmm. you transform into a plane and in those mm. ones it's basically just you know gradius or things like that but uh, and you and as usual in those games, you're not really thinking about uh, hitting the thing. You're just thinking about avoiding the things that are <laughs> all the bullets. So, so I, I mean, it, it's enjoyable. I really like this old uh, type of game. So I've been enjoying myself. Uh, I I do recommend it, but uh, if you don't think you can handle, I, I mean, I think the, the difficulty has been overstated, but it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also nice to just do a let's play. I think everybody needs to at least see this game because it's just gorgeous. Yeah, I think it's the kind of game that it's not really something I'd enjoy playing myself, but I, I really want to watch somebody play it. So I think I'm going to watch a let's play of it. And so, it sounds like the kind of game that, that came out, you know, back in the 80s or 90s on the NES or Super NES. And I, I don't know if those are just... People just think those are too difficult now. Um or, or if they really were that hard, I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Is that? I mean, I was super young when. I mean, the NES was before my time. The SNES, okay. I was super young, like, like a toddler when it was out. So, um, any, any experience I have with those games is, you know, the experience that a five-year-old can have with a video game, which isn't very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so. Well, 
I played Thank a bunch. Fighting this guy here, Jesus. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah. I played a bunch of NES games, and I played Atari games too, man. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, NES games sucked. <laughs> no, I, oh, I, I cheats. I used cheats for Contra, and like I was too okay, young to be really that patient with it. Um, but I never, I very rarely completed a, a, a game. Um, I, I didn't even complete Super Mario Brothers. Um, I was very frustrated with it. I don't have the patience to like uh, bash my head against the wall and you know. Like, <laughs> oh man, oh. we had effects and everything. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. When you're when you're that young and you're playing a game, you never complete a game. You just play the same levels over and over because it's super enjoyable to you. When you're an adult and you're capable of it, you just tear through games really quickly because now they're easier for you. Your fine motor skills have developed. I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I was a really stubborn kid because I did finish most of those games. I finished Contra, I finished Jackal. And those insane. Types of things. But I mean, the, the thing <laughs> is that, uh, and and I and I think most folks now, yeah, they they don't have the the time and also they don't have the patience to like, oh man, I died and I need to restart the level again. Like in most games now, especially bosses, boss fights that have several parts. If you die in one of those, you stay in that part. You don't go and have to defeat the thing from the beginning and I think most gamers are are used to that and when they go back to like this thing like having lives and things like that it's like wait no yeah. I, I'm I just mean, yeah. checkpoints uh, that's also a holdover from the arcade era yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. where it made sense to, to have lives because once you're dead once you're dead you have to you know plug in more quarters but nowadays now that arcade Video game, like home video games, are so far removed from the arcade space. It doesn't make sense to have that holdover as anything other than a legacy. Yeah. Um, so, another yeah. thing, I there was um yeah. another, there was one thing I think I remembered reading a while back was like also from like a hardware limitation like side is that like you know the consoles weren't necessarily like built enough to like have a really like for you know a lot of the games back then were like pretty short games in oh, terms yeah. of actual content. So, like, to make sure that people, like, had enough, like, play value out of it, they made it hard enough to where it would still, like, comparatively take such and such amount of time, like, such a long time to beat these games. So, like, people wouldn't, like, finish it in a night and then be like, you know, what now? Especially, like, I think with the prices of games a few decades ago being horrific. Right, and, yeah, and you know, and... Was... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, and it yeah, also... No wanted Go to ahead. be like sorry sorry about that i think uh and i think nintendo was also really against that they wanted to not make them like rental games like you know you could rent it in a weekend and finish it in a weekend that's yeah, yeah. you know not good for yeah. business <laughs> yeah yeah contra was like yeah. 45 minutes so you know if you were playing right so uh yeah they made it really hard and like said okay you only have this many lives and when you you know reach a game over you have to play from the beginning which I liked, um, if I had Mega Man back in the day, I probably would have completed that game. Um, because it was actually a bit more fair with how uh, lives worked. Um, but most of the games I have had, like, yeah, started you from the very beginning and you were like, oh, no, fuck that. Oh, I know. So, you wanted to yeah. be Super Mario Brothers. You had to play it all day. Like, you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't play it for 20 minutes and then turn it off and then come back to your save state. Like, you just, oh. you had to play it and that was it. You were done. 
Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't beat it in one day, you played it the next day. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure when password systems came in, but they weren't at the beginning of the NES run. So, um, you know, uh, most of the games at the beginning uh, there didn't have like any kind of safe state. Um, later on, like uh, you know, with Castlevania games, you, you the, those were a little more lenient. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, don't know how people survived in the era before safe states because that's a little bit before my time. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and, yeah. you, and you know, when when they ported things like uh, Metal Slug to consoles and whatnot, what they did is that uh, you don't you didn't have to finish the whole game in a one sitting. Uh, it saved that oh, you finish World One, so once you pick it up again, you start from the second one, and uh, like you know, they they have to change the whole thing because people right. wouldn't finish the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> Yeah, the virtual yeah. console had a, a like a save state button yeah. mm-hmm. that you would push, and then it would just save. Like I, I'm still playing Ninja Gaiden. Oh god! Yeah, I'm on the. Oh god! What's that mountain stage? There's like a mountain stage, and all those birds keep flying uh, down. And oh, off. those fucking <laughs> birds, man! Birds. And I, I hate I have, those birds. <laughs> so I've got Nobody likes them. Like right before all those birds happen. And I'll make it to the boss and then die, and then I'll just reload my safe state. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, Although, truth be told, that, that game was hard as shit, but it had, like, it didn't start you from the very beginning of everything. It just, like, started you from the very beginning of the stage, from what I remember, right? Right, but if you turn yeah. your Nintendo off. You... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's another well, that, that, that goes without saying, all those games were assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, that that's how you you know you pause the game and then you turn off the TV but not the yeah. NES and, and you, you lie to your mom like mom, hey, no no it's mom, off mom don't turn off my <laughs> console this is important mom come on okay please and then you mom go just throws the console out the window at that point yeah you keep <laughs> yeah that's I mean my, my mom used to hide the AC adapter so I couldn't <laughs> play anymore <laughs> that's really funny. my mom oh, my, ha- ha- my mom hid the controllers so uh, that's her her yeah. Role, but... yeah. my, topic. My par- yeah, go ahead. Uh, so yeah. Did, did your parents play games did, when you were kids? Did they did they like your games at all? Uh, my my mom loved River Raid. She she loved that uh, okay. game. Um, and then some puzzle games here and there, but never very like into it. My dad, when he was when I was very young, my dad used to play Prince of Persia and Commander Keen, and that was when yep. I was super young. But I don't think he's really played a video game in since I was a little kid. He played, like, he'll sometimes play um, this breakout clone on, on his old Blackberry. He used to play that. But other than that, he just doesn't play games. And my mom, like, has never played a video game. Mm-hmm. Does she not like them? Or, like, is she against them? Or is she just not into it? I mean, I think she was against them when I was younger. But I think she's past judging me for the you know, <laughs> video games I play now. Because I'm like... <laughs> I'm an adult now. I can I can you know go out and buy games and you and can play waste your life however you want to waste. Yeah, I can life. waste my life however I want. <laughs> I mean, if I have free time, I can stare at an empty room or I can play a video game. Those are literally my only options. <laughs> uh, but Same. yeah, it's it's more like um, you know everybody has their blinds, their cultural blind spots. Like for me, it's it's comic books. I've read maybe two in my entire life. Um, and for my parents, it's video games. So. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, my, my mom did 
play uh, but only one game, Dr. Mario. And she's really, she's still really good at it. And uh, like she started the game, you know how would you select the slider for when to start? She always started at level 20. And I was like, how is that even? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's completely full of viruses, right? Like, full, and yeah. she just finished it and she's like, oh yeah, I'm sure I'll keep oh, playing. It reminded me, uh, my, my parents also played, uh, played a bunch of Tetris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. think everybody's mom played Tetris for sure. That game, that game is like that. It crosses any cultural and any boundaries. You, you kind of <laughs> know what you gotta do when you start playing it, and yeah. Yeah, yeah friend my... of mine let me borrow. Oh, sorry. Um, um, I was gonna ahead. say my my dad's like on the younger side, so like he'd play a lot of like PS One games with me. Um, I remember like a lot of the time I'd watch him play like Tenchu uh, oh. back on PS One. Wow, that's a hard one. Yeah, which, yeah, I tried it once. Did not go well for a four-year-old. Uh, <laughs> um, but now, like, now, like, both him and my mom, who, like, didn't really play games, they're, like, really suckered into the, like, Facebook mobile game kind of gotcha uh, type yeah. stuff. Oh. For sure. She's always sending me invites for stuff. I'm like, Mom, I don't want to play Agatha Christie or whatever this is. There's <laughs> an Agatha Christie Facebook game? Oh yeah, there's all kinds of like these weird mystery <laughs> games. They made Man, a bunch of me also. There's all kinds of Facebook games. You wouldn't believe it. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm glad ahead. there's a new market for the old like Nancy Drew type computer. Oh yeah. Games you buy oh at, yeah. Like, like Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So th- those are different from like the Facebook games. Like these are actual full fledged, you know, mystery games that actually have. Um, I think they're they're hidden object slash adventure mystery games. They have like a, a really sizable female audience compared to a lot of video games, so I, I think it's really nifty that you know that there's an audience for it and they keep making them and they're sure. apparently not bad. I should check. Yeah, some of them have have neat stories, but uh, I was never one to. I mean, like find the object games kind of always annoyed me. I I didn't like Where's Waldo or whatever. Yeah, like Hidden Folks that came out earlier this year, right? Yeah, which is sort of like Where's Waldo, but all line drawings. Yeah, but that looks neat. Not like and the uh, the art looks neat in that. Like uh, I, I, if I were to play a hidden object game, that would be probably it. Yeah, it's on my it's on my Steam wish list, but I never got around to buying it because so many games came out this year. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah. This game is not... What's going on with twenty? Oh, Merv. Yeah, you've been playing. Yeah, so speaking of, like, I actually literally have five games on the go right now, and later this afternoon I'm going to add a sixth. Um, so on the go right now, I have Danganronpa V3, Mario mm-hmm. plus Rabbids, Persona 5, mm-hmm. West of mm-hmm. Loathing, and Binary Domain. Before you say anything, Science, no, I still haven't finished Persona 5. Stop asking. God <laughs> damn it. How many, how many hours now? Uh, I'm at, I think, 128 hours, but I think I'm just, like, just before the final boss. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, man. I hope there might be like another dungeon after this, for all I know, considering oh, my luck with this game. Um, but yeah, I've Mario Rabbids is great. I've talked a lot about Persona Five on this podcast. Um, so let me talk about Danganronpa V3. Uh, it's the third mainline game of the series. They had a third-person shooter spinoff called uh, Ultra Despair Girls that I played earlier this year. Um, as for V3, it's a lot like the first two games in the series, though it's a completely separate storyline. It's a lot like the first two games in the series. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, let me explain what the premise of Danganronpa is. 
it's that 16 students get kidnapped and taken to uh, an academy where they're told that they're, the only way they can leave the academy or graduate is by murdering another student and getting away with it. So your job is to, uh, is to, as a protagonist, as these murders happen, uncover who did it so that you can save yourself from being killed if uh, the other student graduates. Uh, by the way, I, I didn't explain this. If one student successfully graduates, then everybody else is killed. But if you ferret out the killer, then the killer is killed and everybody else survives. Sounds like high school. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> like high school. Um, so do you just play this game over and over again, trying to get different people killed or not killed? So it works like it works like this, is that um, students get elim- it's, it's a set storyline. Students get eliminated over the course of the game. So one student kills another, then you successfully ferret out the killer. Then another student kills another, you successfully ferret out the killer until you're left with a very small number of students and then a twist happens and then the game concludes. Uh, so it's that same similar format, but I would recommend that if you want to pick it up, you play the other games in the series first, even though it's a reboot, because some of the it's a very meta game and some of the, the twists won't make a lot of sense if you haven't played the first two games. So I'm stuck just... on the second one and I <laughs> I just don't I I can't. I, I, I like those one. games. I like those games, but um, I, I played the whole 999 trilogy, and then I played the first Danganronpa, and I was so burned out on those games. Yeah, it's very similar to the the Zero Escape trilogy. Zero Time Dilemma, please. Yeah, Zero Time Dilemma. <laughs> that's, that's like the third game in the series, right? Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, it's it's very similar to to those games, um, but it, like when it was when it was being created, I think the two creators of those franchises uh, were talking a lot about you know the concept of um, of a mystery game surrounding murder, and um, they went off and essentially did their own thing. So these are like two significantly different takes on that kind of premise but they do share a lot in common in terms of their premise yeah Yeah, and both are very good visual novel kind of games with like interactive elements um the 999 is more like uh, the zero games are more um puzzle kind of uh figure out the puzzle in this room and then like escape room kind of thing situations and the Danganronpa is more like Phoenix Wright find the um, uh, find the lies and yeah find the logical uh, flaws and what people logical are saying. flaws yeah yeah, yeah. and, and you know, also also like the Phoenix Wright uh, games the most exciting part are the trials the trials are just great yeah yeah so here the trials are really the centerpiece uh, where you put um, where everybody, all their surviving students gather and they debate who the killer is and then you all vote on whom the killer is. So uh, how, how do you like this compared to the other ones? I would say I'm only two trials in. I just finished the second trial this morning. So I don't know if I can really form an opinion, but I have to say the first game of the series is by far my favorite. The second mm-hmm. is a little less good. 
The third has done a lot of weird and frustrating things so far that I'm not really on board with, but it is a Danganronpa game, so it's working from a pretty high baseline of quality to begin with. Sure. Um, and I, from what I've been told, there are a lot of huge twists in this game that down the line will sort of recontextualize what happened at the beginning, so I might not be able to form a really strong opinion on it until I've completed the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, okay. um, I haven't played any of the Danganronpa games, but like I've actually know someone who's been playing through V3 right now, and I would say for like them, um, I think what I heard was like, I think they said it was maybe they liked it more than two, but like not as good as the first one. So I don't know yeah. if that ends up being the way it goes for you, but... I think me and your friend, um, we're probably outside the norm. For most people, the second game in the series is the highlight. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. This, the second like game does the some... Zero series. Yeah, the second game does some really interesting things. And the twist no. is... The big twist is really obvious when you play that game. I'm Murph, not going to spoil it. Murph, but, please. Yeah. Murph, please. Don't, don't. Uh, no, uh, although, I'm going to say... First yeah. five minutes, I'm playing the second game. I knew what the twist was. I didn't. I, I don't. I never read anything about it to this day. But I know exactly what the twist is. No, it's it's super obvious yeah. what the big twist is. But the way they get there, like let me put it this way, I knew the broad strokes of the big twist, but the background is pretty much impossible to guess. You're not going to okay. guess why the big twist happens. Mm-hmm. But the big twist, I think, it's so upfront and in your face yeah. that it's. I don't think it's even really meant to be a twist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe, but they keep it like they they don't talk about it. Like it's so yeah. obvious. Like oh yeah, this is obviously what's happening. But they're like, I don't know. We're just here. I don't know what's happening. And I'm like, God damn it! Like you, <laughs> yeah. you have eyes, don't you? Really big eyes, by the way. Yeah, really big eyes. Not like um, what's that? What's that visual novel? Uh, that I'm thinking of. Clanad. It's not like uh, Clanad style. <laughs> visual novels, Merv. I didn't know which one you were going to pick. <laughs> There's like million of them on Steam. All of them. Yeah, Clanad is just known for having the ridiculously huge eyes. Yeah. Like it takes Moe to new levels that make it not cute anymore. Uh, any case, that's what I'm playing, Danganronpa. It's a fun game. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to chatting about the main topic of discussion for this podcast, which is level design. Yay! So, yay! Yay! Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We've got like 40 minutes to, to chat about um, some of our favorite levels in games. So I think we've this is a topic that we've sort of touched on in previous podcasts, but we never really devoted a podcast to discussing this um, and it's something we actually talked about in the previous podcast we were talking about the failures of ukulele and how its level design makes it a very frustrating experience um, so what I want to get a sense of before we dive into really what makes a good level is to ask you guys what your favorite levels from, from video games are so Science do you have like a favorite level from a video game that you want to talk about Sure. Yeah. Um, you okay? You have to like. Ah, uh, good. You have to like go with me on this. Okay. Like, <laughs> hold on. Um, so, do you know Doom Two? Maybe. I know it exists. I've never played yeah. it. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, uh, it's a it's a good game. Maybe you should. Um, it's it, okay. So Doom two levels are garbage. Uh, they're basically they're just they're, they're the mazes, worst, right? Yeah, they're not such much. Not okay. So uh, I'm okay. So I have very strong feelings about this. <laughs> unfortunately, for you guys. <laughs> um, so basically, they're well-designed levels, but most of them in the second half of the game have a twist to them, like usually a stupid secret, something that nobody should put in a game that's a first-person shooter. So basically, you can spend like 20 minutes on a map just walking down hallways and pushing the space bar and just hoping that as a wall will open up. It's stupid. It's the worst. Um, however, um, there uh, Doom One had amazing level design, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and and in 2010, so a while after <coughs> the original release of Doom Two, uh, came out an Xbox 360 version of uh, Doom Two with uh, an added expansion that was made specifically for this version called No Rest for the Wicked. Uh, or no, 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 wait, sorry. No, no Rest for the Living, I think. Um, and, yeah. And, and the first level of that expansion is the best thing that Doom ever did, I think. Um, it understands its game to a T, like... It know exact. It knows exactly what it is, and um, it can build on those. Like people were making Doom levels for from 1996, and they're making Doom levels till this day, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. they were very experienced with making Doom levels, and they were they they knew the tools. They 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 knew exactly what they were going to do. You can't play the expansion on the vanilla Doom. So if you were trying to, uh, you know. Um, do that there probably a bunch of like errors for uh, too many blocks or whatever the, 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 the engine wouldn't support it but the, if you would play it on uh, the um, Z-Doom um, open version of Doom on PC that would work because it's it's so complicated and it's so like build up on those years and years of experience and like people getting nuts with Doom levels so basically, it like from the very beginning, it escalates very well, very like it, it builds to a crescendo. Like from the very beginning, you have like a pistol, then you have a, a, like a shotgun, and it spaces out enemies very well. Um, and like uh, you progress through the level, and you gather more and more like weapons and ammo in a way that's very like you can see that they were very well with placing these things. Um, they they knew exactly what they were doing. Like, okay, let's put this uh, plasma ammo here. Uh, sorry, no, no plasma in the first level, but la- let's say like a shotgun ammo here for this enemy exactly and for this encounter. And um, you can finish the level and you're like, okay, I'm done with the level, but weird, like 50% of the level is still covered up and I can reach the exit. Uh, the neat thing that they've done is that they took a little bit from Doom 2 levels that crazy these crazy um you know secrets and um they incorporate incorporated that a little bit into this first level uh when you run through one of the hallways you can see you can hear like a which signifies there's a door opening somewhere 
And when you run through the hallway to the room, uh, at the end of the hallway, you can see that there's a door opening for a split second on the other side. And if you run through it, um, there's a whole second part of the level. That's basically, you wouldn't ever see it if you didn't like mess around in the level. And by that point, there's like, there's like more and more enemies. There's like, I don't know if you know any of the Doom enemies, but Mancubuses, there's these like big bad guys that shoot fireballs and then it's like guys shooting um, rocket launchers and there's, it builds and builds and builds and then you return to the first part of the level, level and now it's filled with like, filled to the brim with enemies. Um, so they design the level first part to for you to go through the level normally and then to return it and there's a whole nother placement of enemies and they kind of remix the level um, once you get back to the uh, to the start point starting point so it's like really well done and like that I don't think I'm a big fan of Doom 2 basically because I, I I've been playing it for like 20 years at this point um, but uh, this is possibly the best level that they've ever designed and I include the mod community because I also play mod levels for Doom 2 mm -hmm. and this is like fantastic um, I, I, I've played it for like 20 times already because I, I enjoy it so much and um, there's uh, thankfully it also came out on PC so I, I, I could have done that um, yeah as a big fan of this old ass game um, the way they really understand what's great about it, and the whole like the whole No Rest for the Living uh, expansion, which has like nine levels and one secret one, is is fantastic, and it uh, it warms my heart that I, I bought it day one, and I was really happy with what they did to it, um, did with it, and man, it was it was a treat playing through it because I, yeah, fantastic yeah. That stuff. I can co-sign on that. Um, not with like direct experience, but my um, younger brother is also like very involved with like the Doom modding community. So I've seen like that kind of level before, and like I can immediately picture like the um, stuff you're talking about in this level. And like yeah. that is really nice design to have something like so like a much more elaborate stuff that's not necessarily required. Yeah. but like yeah. that rewards that exploration too. yeah and it's not native to doom like this like yeah. a loop around and then remix it, remixing the level is absolutely not something that they had in mind when they created the, the original doom and it's like it, it, working on the basis of this engine even if you expand a little bit upon it like they didn't change the tools uh, so it was it's very impressive what they did with it uh, with the level design and it, it's a surprisingly doom is a very tactical game like you have to like mm -hmm. really think about ammo management and encounter management and which weapons on which enemies and the combination of enemies and how you are going to deal with it so designing the whole level and ammo placement and everything around it is actually kind of difficult um for it to be enjoyable and uh, when they do it right they i really really like it because it's it's simplistic it's a simplistic game but when it works, it works really well for me. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the best levels I've ever played. Nice. Um, so, Penny, you've you've played. Um, you said you're familiar with like the Doom modding community. Um, 
Do you know? Do you know the sort of stuff they 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 put in uh, the levels that they're making? Or oh, uh, I'm like I'm not like firsthand familiar. Like, okay. and my my younger brother like has very specific interests in terms of the um like t- kinds of levels he gets involved with. It's a lot of like really hectic like just kind of ridiculous levels i think in the modding mm-hmm. community that he gets involved sure. with mm-hmm. um so but i've seen like the ways that like a lot of cool like art assets get like created as well even in the modding community too so oh yeah like there are total conversions that like uh, completely remix doom like and also you probably heard about brutal doom uh, which yeah. you know remixes the whole game so that it's more streamlined and faster. I, I don't like Brutal Doom, but I, I, I see why it, it, it gained fame um, uh, because it's more quick, like faster uh, and more like, um, I don't know, maybe uh, enjoyable on like a visceral level. So like you, you, you have, it's, which is, now that's weird because now that I think about it, it has these uh, gore kills that when you kind of like are close mm-hmm. to an enemy, you kind of decapitate him and shit like that. And after Brutal Doom came out, Doom uh, 2016 did the same thing, basically. I think, yeah. right? right? That's just a very um, yeah. similar thing. Yeah, um, maybe some of the um, people working on that game were like either part of or inspired by that. Yeah, that was uh, now that I think about it, that's interesting. I think Brutal Doom came first, uh, but they were working on Doom for so many years, then who can say what mm. the hell happened there? So, anyway, anyway yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like they've uh, taken a, a really a neat approach to, to level design where they're kind of remixing these elements. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Kajigger, what kind of levels are you into? Uh, well, I, I got a, one of those newfangled SNES classics. So I've been replaying uh, Yoshi's Island, which is probably mm-hmm. my favorite game ever. And I'm on World 2, and I already played two of my favorite levels. So uh, first one is one that is just one of my favorite, but mostly because it's quirky. It's uh, a touch fast you get dizzy, which <laughs> <laughs> if I don't know if anyone has played, uh, yeah. I guess most have players. Basically, I mean, the level, it's it's basically divided into parts. The first part is pretty straightforward. You have, well, you have some of those uh, metal walking uh, enemies that you cannot destroy, but um, you get these things that unroll and you can throw it at them, and it, it's more or less a standard level. But then you get to the middle ring, and then it starts the part that everybody remembers, which is uh, Yoshi tripping balls. And <laughs> the way it happens is that you have these floating, well, fuzzies, and if you touch them, everything just goes, uh, it starts undulating, and the music changes. And you yeah, you get dizzy. Taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, but everybody's you know. already <laughs> tripping balls in the Mushroom Kingdom. Now. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you know it. What do you and, think and, those and, mushrooms are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. He's hallucinating the whole thing. It's there's no mushroom kingdom. It's just some alley. But uh, <laughs> but why are you killing those rats? Stomping <laughs> on them and shit. Jesus Christ. And then he's kicking them. It's gross. Anyway, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah. And 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 the level design in a way that uh, it's divided. So it's not overly hard because they want you to enjoy the fact that you are dizzy. Like, it has coins that you can jump to get, but they're not hidden or anything. And every time you jump, it just 
it's really hard to jump, but there's not really danger. And there's like only two or three pets. If you fall there, you're probably just gonna laugh because it's like <laughs> you, you, you didn't you didn't really care because it's just fun. And the other level from that same game, uh, it's the extra level on World Two, which is uh, hit that switch. And I think I think a bunch of Mario Maker levels are kind of like that. And and hit that switch is different in the it basically, like in most Mario games, you have some switches that you press and then some blocks appear. Mm-hmm. In Yoshi's Island, it has the red ones and and the blocks will appear for certain time. And you hit that switch, what happens is that you hit the first uh, one and blocks appear and you need to run as fast as you can to find the second switch and just go on and on on that. And it's just, well, the, the Japanese game, uh, name because, you know, uh, it's Doki Doki Switch, uh, which is of course the hard pounding oh. switch, because yeah. it's just so so uh, intense and and it's a little yeah. different because most of the levels in Yoshi's Island are more like contemplative. They're they're like like it's Sonic levels without having to run fast because they have these certain different layers and it's they're really big. But in Hit That Switch, uh, you just you have to have the skills to be fast and to react on the on, on the precise time and and it's it's an extra level so so that means that by that time you're more um you know you yeah, by the time you, you hit it you're more experienced yeah yeah, yeah because you, you need to get 100 on every uh level to get to the to the extra level in each world right so so it doesn't feel unfair it's more like a reward like hey you have the skills and so now you know prove them and mm-hmm. i think that was pretty good. that's those are my two favorite levels from well I mean, there's so, but so far those are my favorite levels from what I've been replaying of Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Hey guys, yeah. I think it's it's very difficult to describe levels overall. <laughs> like you, <laughs> yeah, it's, I feel like it's it's hard to it's hard to describe like a really specific portion of a yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, oh, this is how they do it, and now I have to describe exactly the placement of switches, and <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But but you know it, it it's easier to describe when things are wrong I guess when there's a bad level you're like oh, oh yeah God, this is yeah 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 and we'll get you, to that in a little precisely bit like that. yeah <laughs> so let me let me try to describe a level that I really like uh, how many of you guys have played Psychonauts yeah exactly. uh, yes uh, several times <laughs> yeah Psychonauts is is a game that I really love it's one of my favorite games and the premise is that you're going inside people's brains to fix whatever uh, mental issues they're having. And each brain is this colorfully detailed platforming or puzzle world. One of them is called Black Velvetopia. And it takes place inside a painter's brain. The way it works is that the, the entire level is set up like a circle. And there is a bull charging through that circle. If that bull hits you, you get damaged and you get knocked back to one of these safe locations. So the circle is set up in a replica of a Spanish city. The art style is that everything is inky black with, with neon accents, hence the, term, hence the name Black Velvetopia. And the way it works is that you have to sort of run against the charging bull when there's an opening to get from safe alleyway to safe alleyway and there are platforming challenges within each alleyway. Um, And you find the secrets in each alleyway in order to unlock 
for boss fights that take place along um, along the uh, the circle, and each boss fight sort of has a wrestling or luchador type of theme. So it's an interesting setup in that most levels um, in a platformer they're usually set up around reaching the top of some summit or the depths of some cave or getting from sort of one end of the map to the other and not sort of going around in a giant circle and trying to fight against some obstacle that's rolling at you. It's, it's sort of taking like, you know, in Super Mario 64 where, you're, where you have to dodge uh, the rolling balls. It's sort of, imagine it's sort of like that, but taken to the extreme. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's unique in that, you know, the art style is very unique. Um, the structure of the level, I think, is really neat. And um, the way it's all put together that um, with the running of the Bulls theme is, I think, also, mm-hmm. it's really, um, it's really neat. And it's really yeah, intense it's when the ball is coming. Yeah. 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 It's a, it, it has possibly the most, like, visually striking design of, like, I think most of the Psychonauts levels that I can remember, like, off the top of my head. Like, I don't know yeah. if it was my favorite level overall, but, like, in terms of, like, just the visual, like, an art direction of it, like, absolutely, I think it beat, like, every other level in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really stands out as being something um, something artistically apart from the rest of the game, which is a little more, a little more like uh, Western 3 animated, distorted, cartoony uh, in its aesthetic. And it works really well for that game, I think. Um, but it's it's really different from from the rest of the game the way it looks. I mean, the, there's another level that is really different as well. At least from what I remember, the one that is basically Settlers of Catan, where you're uh, inside the 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 tabletop yeah. game from the Napoleon, Napoleon one or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that one is really uh, also the, the, that looks really interesting. But yeah, nothing like Velvetopia. And I think it, the, the team and everything just hits in Velvetopia. Man, that game has some good level design. Yeah, I I'm wondering how they're going to follow it up for Psychonauts 2, which is coming out next year. Uh, I don't know how they're going to be able to sort of top all the really weird and wonderful things they did in that game. Because there's no level in that game aside from maybe the first couple that's like that feels generic. Yeah. Everything, every level in that game feels like it has some neat gameplay quirk yeah. that makes it really interesting to play through. Um, so I think that's what that's what gets me um, excited about a level is a unique, not necessarily uh, a new mechanic because sometimes it could feel gimmicky, but in a unique level structure and really striking art design. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, mm-hmm. Excites me about a level. Um, so Andy, what kind of what kind of things do you go for when you're looking at a level? What kind of levels do you like? Um, well, I don't know if this would be considered a level or not. Um, but what I we're loose with definitions here. <laughs> well, what I really like <laughs> so, is uh, go ahead. Uh, open world games, and and I remember playing Grand Theft Auto Three for the first time, and just being just completely blown away by the city, like the mass of it and how big it was. You know, you look at it now; it's not as populated as like Grand Theft Auto Five. But when it first came out, it was unlike anything I'd ever been through before. It, it was a city that I actually lived in, and I could go around and I could mess with people and I could drive around the streets. Um, so that's, that's really what, what I, what I enjoyed. I've always been, um, the kind of kid growing up, I I liked playing, um, RPGs and and games like Zelda and things like that. And then I would 
I would take the you know what I wanted to learn from the game or what what I liked about the games I would kind of do in my real life like for uh, Secret of Mana for example I um, I would kind of like write journal entries for the characters and kind of what uh, what they were going through before they met the main characters so I always okay. I always so for GTA 3, I hope you didn't go out and steal cars or <laughs> No, no, but, but I, I finally <laughs> felt like I was in a game where not only was I playing it, but I was living it to an extent. Obviously, I don't commit crimes, but it was the first time that I felt that, that I could actually be part of the game. And that's what I loved about um, the way that they designed the level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the missions flowed well. It took you to every single place um, that the map had to offer. You know, you go to the junkyard and you destroy cars. You would go to the docks and you would, uh, you know, turn in cars. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. it, uh, you it murder just... a hooker. Yeah. Right, right. You take a move behind the back alley and you get your health refilled and then you kill yeah. him and you get your money yeah. back. It's. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that was a no. They they that's made that's always been a source of yeah. controversy. Yeah, for that that, that specific title. thing though. Yeah, mm-hmm. that specific thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I, Sorry, I don't, I'm not trying to glorify Grand Theft Auto's lifestyle or anything, but it's just <laughs> yeah. Just, but but yeah, the scope you know, was, we was amazing. Saying. Yeah, yeah. It just that just it just blew my mind, you know. And and I mm-hmm. can still go to that city into Liberty City, and I I could drive around it, and I know it better than my own town. Like if somebody told me, oh, you need to go to the the corner of of St. Mark's or whatever, I know exactly how to get there. I know what mm-hmm. street you take. I know where the least amount of traffic is. How to get there simply. It's I don't know. I mm-hmm. I love driving around Liberty City. Um, those first two islands, especially the third island, uh, I'm not a big fan of where the airport is, and all the hills and the houses. That that one doesn't do really do it for me. But those first two um, are really something special, just to mm-hmm. experience what it's like to be in a big city. You know, uh, sure. somebody in a big city. So it's isn't it weird how like. I I can get around maps and video games and know exactly where to go and like memorize them. But when I I get lost in my own fucking city and I like, where the fuck am I? Excuse me, sir. I've only been living here my entire life. I don't know where to go. Could you please help me? Right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm actually getting that feeling right now because I recently moved to a new city and I have no idea how to get to anything. Yeah. So it's. It's nice to sort of be able to fall back on the comfort of an open world that you know, like the back of your hand. Yeah. I really wish I were playing some open world games right now. Um, so, Penny, what kind of levels do you like, or is there um, a particular kind of level that you're into? So, the level that, like, that the the kind of design and environment that especially like I love so much, like almost like like 15 years later. It's actually like a mix between the overworlds of like the open world game design and the small like kind of like more like NES, SNES type levels. Um, it's um, Catalog's Island from Mega Man Legends. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's um, it's like it's it's like your overworld kind of thing before, between like the dungeons of that game that you crawl through. Um, but it's. From the very moment you land in catalogs at the beginning of Mega Man Legends is all these little environmental cues that teach you like things that are actually like coming up later in the game. Like the second the I think the first cutscene ends, like it tells you where to go by like there's a little wooden signpost that's been like hammered in with like very sloppy paintbrush that like 
pointing towards the town. And since you've just, it's the first time you've arrived on town, like, you know, you're like, oh, well, let's go there. And as you, you, you're in a wooded area, like outside of the city. And as you go through it, you see a few things that like actually like set up a lot of the dynamics for the rest of the game. You see um, this weird, like kind of like octagonal building that you can't go into at the moment. You see a rusted car. And if you look around enough, you see a floating airship with um, the little serve bots who serve to, like, become part of the antagonists of the game. Or, like, you know, kind of rival antagonists. And, but the thing is... It's, like, foreshadowing, almost. Yeah, it's really... And this is just the first screen of, like, when you get to the actual, like, bulk of the game. And so the car that you see that's rusted in the streets, you end up repairing it. And it becomes your method of fast travel, your hub world for developing weapons and everything in the game. The little ruin that you see, it becomes like one of these little optional dungeons that you get to go through. And what's really cool about this map is these little optional dungeons are actually like connected to different parts of the island. So as you explore like underground, you can go through a door and you wind up on the other side of the city. Or like so, it's want, almost or, like a it's almost like a Metroidvania-ish structure. Kind of, I would say similar, yeah. Um, but once you get past that, then you get like a sneak peek of like the bustling vibrance of the actual like cities on Catalox Island. You enter this place called Apple Market, which like cues up with some of my favorite video game music. It's just like a straight corridor with nothing but like shops and merchants and a lot of people just like walking about during their daily lives and this is like on a playstation one game so it's like not too many people like in terms of actually being rendered but like it's enough to make it like look really like vibrant and live and there's it's a very like brightly colored area and like you like immediately like feel like like i always feel at home going to the apple market and then it opens up into the actual city proper and you get like a residential district with it's a it's a bunch of apartment buildings. There's a library, but like this is on a PS1 games. It's still like not too like as detailed as the open world games get. But there are still like cars that drive around the city, and you can even be hit by those cars. <laughs> you have to like be a careful pedestrian as Mega Man, and. But like yeah, Mega Man follows the rules. <laughs> but um, yeah, and there's there's so many things you can interact with. You can like you can like interact with every building's door and like hear like a kind of dialogue from people who live in the house and it's like a lot of cute flavor text there's vending machines that you can choose to drink from you can buy a drink from it's or... most of the dialogue like go away mega man stop bothering us <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like why mega man why i don't even think you knock on the doors you just like listen in <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh. um like but there's also like really ways in which you can interact in lots of different ways with the environments there. Like um, vending machines, like I was saying, you can buy a drink from it and replenish your health, or you can also kick it and get a free drink. Or if you do it too much, there, if you do it too it... much, it breaks and explodes. <laughs> okay, so there are consequences for just stealing drinks. Yeah, and drinks. there's a slight karma-ish system in the game which doesn't affect much beyond like the actual flavor text you get from these interactions. Like, if you do a lot of bad things, like, your armor gets a really dirty and, like, dark. Um, and you can, like, other ways that this happens is, like, you can kick trash cans and, like, the lids will flip if they're em- empty or they'll, like, 
it'll be like very secure if there's stuff in it. And that's where you can find items. Um, in Apple Market, there's a can you can kick across the corridor, and if you hit it behind the counter of the shop, you get money <laughs> for no reason. Um, Just but like in real life. Yeah. Um, but it, um, <laughs> right. But it's 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 really fun, and like you, but and there's other districts to this city that have completely different aesthetics as well. You go to um, City Hall, the City Hall district, and it's like condominiums. And there's like the police station. It's a lot of business like centric area. There's the bank, so there's the police station. It sounds like they they took into account what an actual city would look yeah, like. Yeah, it's and the it's geography makes sense. It's something I really love because like a lot of open world games are very bland. I feel in the way that they dot buildings. It's all very repetitive, right. grayscale like. But um, and there's other yeah. there is there is a district that's like very like dark and gloomy in Mega Man Legends, but it's like the industrial district. So like oh, it makes yeah. sense oh, for it to look that way. Oh and man! I feel like see like you can even see this in a, in within a series like going from say Saints Row two, where um, S- Stillwater is it or yeah Stillwater or Steelport? I forget which one. Uh, Stillwater's in, first one. In Saints Row two, yeah, that city has very um, very discreet, easy to identify districts. Like mm-hmm. you know, here's the university, here's the industrial area, here's this residential area with nice homes. Here's the the big commercial area with uh, the Altor headquarters. You know, it's very um, every part of that city looks different. It seems like it serves a function. Then you go play Saints Row the Third, and every part of uh, Stillwater or Steelport, I forget which one's which. Steelport. Yeah, I feel like we've actually flipped around. Anyway, I can look it up later. We'll oh, correct right. it in the link dump. Um, anyways, the Saints Row the Third city. Every part of that city just looks the same. Yeah. And it's really hard to find a way around. Mm-hmm. And it feels like there's no it feel it doesn't feel like a real city because there's none of that difference in neighborhood. Every neighborhood looks like it serves the same purpose. Yeah, um and one of the things that Mega Man Legends does, I think, with Catalogs Island that I really like is, you know, it's not an open world game. It's a game where you have to also like go back to a lot of areas and repeat like the sections you're going through, like in the city to get to new things. But like the way that like the design works is that like they give you little teasers of all these places like like there was the ruins I mentioned and there's um like oh gosh let's, there's like um a, when you get to like the uptown area at first there's like a port and you see all these things and it encourages um repetition in a way that makes it also feel fresh like especially as you get new equipment in the game um because like the houses in downtown um you can't like get you can't get any like verticality in like your movements but, like when you get spring shoes in like the first major dungeon of the game you can start jumping on the roofs of the houses and like in a lot of places there's new things that you can find by like jumping on buildings there's even like a side quest that involves you having to climb up and find like bombs on buildings which is like a really fun way of i think like encouraging further exploration and right so it's it's one of those games where you can sort of see the secrets ahead of you mm-hmm. and then you can come back to them. Yeah, and, and that also ex- gives like, them later. It extends to like the dungeons too because there's like walls you can you can't break to start with, but you can break them later, but but, but it's really the overall I love a lot. And there's also a way there's actually like a level of personal investment in it too because if you do bad in a lot of the main story missions that start the game, 
the districts and the buildings in them get destroyed and like people lose their homes <laughs> like it like it's, no. it's bad <laughs> like the bank the bank can get destroyed the police station get destroyed if you're like like when you first like when i was like i was five when i got this game i wasn't good to start with so a lot of buildings got destroyed and, like you feel bad like and people like talk about it and the thing, but you're, but you're, but you're, <laughs> Jesus Christ! That mega man kid really sucks at his job. Um, heavy. But um, but the thing is, the game offers you a way to like invest yourself in the island, and like they do construction efforts throughout the game, and you're you're you help them by like donating money, which I mean, it's kind of your fault that this happened. So maybe it's like, no, this is what you owe us. But like, it's 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 phrased as a donation. Um, okay. so, so, donation with like with like two big burly muscular guys on either side saying yes please give us your donation <laughs> and, and the thing is like when you when you donate enough when you as you donate in stages like if you don't donate all at once to repair it immediately what happens is like if you donate in stages you'll leave out and you'll see that there's little boxes like where the buildings used to be like showing that, that area is like like little like kind of like steel boxes like showing like this is under construction like there's stages to the redevelopment of the city and like you'll see construction workers walking around and it it's like for the PlayStation era I think that was a really great way of like creating a livable environment and so like Catalox Island is something like I still remember like I, I it's the game came out in like 97 I think I got it like 2002 but it um yeah it was something that like i still think about the way that this but i think about that city and like the people in it like so many years later mm-hmm. yeah it's i think what what's really speaking to you here is the idea that the city exists sort of beyond the protagonist yeah right that and you're you're a tourist it's a setting like, that you walk into yeah, you it doesn't you, exist for the protagonist. Yeah, it's specifically designed like you are an outsider, like you crash onto the island, like you don't know anybody, so like you don't, you can't go into people's houses, like you can't do that. <laughs> but like, I mean, obviously that's a limitation on the hardware, but I think it also like works with the idea that like you know you're not like these people's friends or anything, you're kind of a stranger, and you're like like introducing yourself to a community you're a weird kid robot <laughs> nobody trusts you oh the mega man in the um in legends he's like much more human i think than the others but yeah but he's still no. made a robot i mean exactly yeah, blue body yeah. with the little boy head i mean i <laughs> i think it's like I, i'm pretty uh, guys, sure it's... are we are, are we prejudiced against androids i i don't you know uh, uh detroit become human it comes out uh, not long in not not too soon, so maybe we should uh, play it. Yeah. Now. Oh, Merv. It, yeah. It, um. Back. Oh, to get to the Saints Row thing. Yeah. Stillwater. Yeah. Was, you're right. Stillwater was Saints Row two. Steelport. Yeah. Three. And I go. just looked it up. Yeah. You're right. Um. And you were right that Mega Man Legends was released in 1997. There you go. Wow. Hey, we're all correct today. <laughs> this is this is great because usually we're wrong about a lot of things and have to go back and. I was, like, in, I was in 10th grade in 1997. Up. Jesus Christ, you were, what, two? Uh, yeah, I, oh, was I, I was seven. born in 97. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to go kill let's, myself real quick. Let's, I'll be right skip, back. let's skip through all this. Yeah, let's just skip over the ages. Yeah, I was I was in elementary school in 1997. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, and now I, now I podcast. Not for a living, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> 
By the way, um, Dollar Shave Club, still waiting. Yeah, Dollar Shave Club, give us your money. We want it. Um, so I think one of the things we've identified is, is making an interesting level. We've identified um, that you know the level feels like it exists sort of outside the protagonist. Um, levels that have you know interesting or striking art design. Levels that remix elements of uh, from elsewhere in the game. Uh, so we've got sort of this library of things that we really like about a level. So let's flip this on its head. What are things you don't like about levels? What oh, are some boy. levels you think are just badly designed? Oh Jesus Christ! Or characteristics of levels that you really hate. Uh, can I, I start? Sure. Yeah, go ahead, Penny. Yeah. What do you um, hate? Well, so I talked about like I talked about like you know the way that a lot of places are different in Mega Man Legends. Well, a place in a lot of level design was very much the same. I felt was Final Fantasy Thirteen, a game that I quit because <laughs> of its level design. Mm. Yeah, yeah I've heard bad things about that game. Either. It's, is there a level design? It's just corridor after corridor. Yeah, that's that's corridor. that's basically it. Like, it's hey, like hey, I, it opens I, up after only twenty hours. <laughs> if you, you got there in twenty hours, I think I got there in like fifty hours. It was. It's yeah, it's it's funny. I quit. I quit in the first area after it opens up, and I, it still came back to like corridors. It's it's like an open area that leads to corridors. After that, like, it's I just. To go like I'm fine with linearity in a game. Like, don't get me wrong, in terms of like a level design, it's just that like that shouldn't be the only thing you have in a game. Like near Automata is a game I love a lot. There's a lot of like kind of linear portions in some of the levels there, um, but it's right. but it's not the only thing. There's like a lot of open exploration alongside that linearity. And Final Fantasy thirteen was nothing but just walking in like basically the same line for hours and hours and hours on top of the actual like way that like even the progression in the game is very linear like it's like it was boring like you just there's nothing to do it's just like i just like would hold up the analog stick look around as soon as i hear battle music start then like turn around and go back to what i was doing (laughs) yeah uh yeah that's that's pretty bad, but on the other hand, I hate it when you don't know where to go. Mm. Like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not good. A level just leaves you stranded in the middle of no, no, like no particular, like, um, like a like a generic, you know, uh, plane that you don't see any waypoints, you don't see any points of interest, mm. or even if if there are some interest you know like points of interest and uh all of that maybe the quest design isn't as good or maybe uh you you get lost in the level and there's nothing leading you to where you yeah Yeah. there's nothing leading you to where you need to go like this is a big complaint we had about ukulele on the previous podcast um is that the level design is such that it doesn't tell you where you need to go collectibles aren't arranged in a way that lead you down critical paths Mm. um there are no and a lot of levels don't have recognizable landmarks, so there's nothing you can really point to to orient yourself. Exactly. These are these are really big problems yeah. with level design. No, there's, yeah. You know, there's the extremely linear kind of level where there's it feels like you're being boxed in, and that can be bad. Yeah. And then there's also the the level where there's I shouldn't say too much freedom, but no guidance on what you should be doing at all. Yeah. There's, and you, you, sorry. Yeah. Uh, there's one type of game. There's one type of game where 
the no guidance thing I think is important and that's like a dungeon crawler like Etri and Odyssey or something where you yeah. actually make your own maps like mm -hmm. I think I think that's about one of the only cases I would say where like that's the point but like yeah to to do that in other games is not something um, I think should be encouraged necessarily I, I... I think that open world games can be like um, interesting in that regard because I've watched recently um, a no clip doc documentary about The Witcher Three mm -hmm. on YouTube, and they're they're th those are interesting because they talk about oh sometimes we want the player to get lost you know like we start with your starting point so where you are and we show you the, your end point, so a castle in the distance or something like that. And between you and the castle, we usually place something that you can kind of get lost in, like a forest or something like that. Because, you know, that's that's an open world thing, that when you get lost, you can get kind of swept away in your own adventure and kind of go and have fun on your own and not think about, like, a major plot, but for the time being, kind of, like, have your own adventure. So well, sometimes that also works for open world games. Yeah, I, I recently read a, a Twitter thread or something about this, about the design of Breath of the Wild, and it kind of sounds like it's mm. it's a similar thing where, um, I don't know if you, any of you saw this, but they, mm -hmm. they talked about how they built the game using rectangles and triangles, essentially, right? Mm. Yeah, so you've got all I've heard about this. these triangles everywhere, and you're like, okay, I want to get to that triangle because I know there's something on the other side of it. And then they put these rectangles in front of you to kind of um, hide things. And then when you finally get around that rectangle, you see something new, a new triangle. You're like, oh, God, well, now I want to go to that triangle, right? And so it sounds like The Witcher kind of did the same kind of thing. But you, you've got an end goal. But on your way there, there's about 10 or 20 different things that pull you away. You're like, I'll get to that eventually. But I really want to look behind this rectangle yeah. over here. It's also that's also very good level design, right? So, open worlds are basically big levels that you have to account for so many things, and I can't imagine designing that beast because that's <laughs> that seems crazy. But I mean, yeah, there, and... there's a lot of like the open worlds that have the. Um, I mean, Breath of the Wild has some of it, but not as much. Like, oh, this is the tower, and these are the things that are in, in beside the tower, and you need to dominate that tower and control it and then go to this other tower and whatnot and it like, just gets like the ubisoft first. style i'm sorry like the ubisoft style yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then you, you it's just so repetitive and then you open the map and it has markers all over the place and it's just like what is this while in red of the wild you just feel the adventure because the towers make sense you can look around and you see things like your character sees things instead of oh okay because i'm here now there's 20 new points in my map that make no sense and I don't care about them. It's so overwhelming yeah. that I just don't do them. But yeah, in Breath, Breath of the Wild it's... Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, just gonna say that in Breath of the Wild it's a visual thing. It's not a marker on the map. Uh, it's just another thing for you to collect or shit. It's like you look around and you're like, oh that looks amazing. I want to go there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that, like when you're you're walking around and then you suddenly see the dragon or something and it's just so yeah. amazing because there's no point in the map that says oh yeah go there and you'll see the dragon it's just that you encounter it and it just feels mm -hmm. like an adventure so yeah. when you see like I think the the star that falls like you see the lights over there and you're like oh I never seen this let me try to see what the hell that is mm -hmm. yeah. but it's it's not like oh 
I know that in this area I'm going to have a tower, I'm going to have this dungeon, I'm going to have this, this, and that. I think the Ubisoft is, yeah, they're the worst at it. Yeah, but... Yeah, they they have a tendency to... I will say that they're they're decent in that they're they're good at making different parts of their open world distinct, but then it's unnecessary to layer all these all these map markers on top of that because I mean the level the level almost stands on its own and being able to you know navigate it with with landmarks so it feels like it's almost unnecessary to to have all that additional crap just shoved in there I feel like they're undermining their own level design. Yeah, especially because they designed some of the, like the Assassin's Creed is designed about, around real cities, right? So you could say like, oh, I want to go near the church or near the minaret or whatever, instead of, well, there's a marker there and it's glowing, so I'll just go there. Yeah, yeah they, they've, I think they could, they could stand to sort of make their, make their games a little, um, a little less looser, a little looser, for lack of a better word, you know, leave... Mm-hmm leave players to just sort of discover a little more instead of you know saying if you go to this marker there will be a free running challenge yeah. you know let me let me discover that free running challenge by myself yeah. um, I think they I think they'd get a lot of mileage out of just getting rid of the whole um, eagle vision tower mechanic entirely and just you know give you the map give the whole map from the get go place markers only for for main side quests and main story missions and leave me to discover everything else just by myself yeah and get get a lot of and get to the tower and visually see the thing instead of the map just populating with things just like you're in the tower and oh okay that's the church i need to go so i know that i need to go there yeah um that's where i think yakuza zero did pretty good in terms of like keeping a map that's like relatively like clean because, like, markers for, like, even, like, quests and things don't even pop up until you activate them. Like, you have to, like, discover things kind of on your own, which, like, can maybe be hard if you're, like, a completionist. But, like, in terms of just, like, exploring the map, I think that, like, it definitely has been more fun to, like, not open up my map and have so much clutter. <laughs> Once or twice I did run into a few frustrations where I just didn't know where to go. And mm. so I'd run around the entire map until I happened upon the place that would advance the story. Mm. Um, it happened to me once or twice. I don't think it's a huge frustration, and the maps are small enough that it's feasible to run around the entire map for 20 minutes to find where you need to go. But I think they, they might be a little bit on the wrong side of that balance, and sometimes I think they could stand to, to yeah. make it a little clearer where you need to go. Yeah. But yeah, I think they've, they've done it really well in that they have a nice, compact, very dense map where it's easy to remember what every street looks like, so you memorize mm-hmm. that very quickly, you know where to go, and then it doesn't need, really need to worry about nudging you so much in, in one direction or the other. Yeah, you know, so that, that's, that's uh, one approach to, to level design I think really works is, you know, compact, very detailed maps with memorable landmarks. Um, getting back to things that I don't really like about level design, um, I would say haphazard level design, where it doesn't look like the individual pieces of the level were designed to fit together is something that really bothers me. So we talked about this uh, on the last podcast with Ukulele. Um, I'm trying to think of other games where it seems like they sort of pasted the pieces together in a way that didn't really fit. Um, I'd say there are some levels in... This is going to be almost blasphemous. I'd say there are some levels in in uh, Uncharted 3 that are kind of like this, 
where it seems like they, they kind of pasted the pieces together, uh, of it kind of pasted set pieces together without really a regard for how it made geographic sense. Um, like uh, the, for example, the, the level in Syria, I think, uh, it, it's the way it's set up is that um, you go through you go through what seems like this endless ruin, and it doesn't seem like it makes geometric sense that the room would be as spread out as it is. Hmm. Um, so that's that's one level that sort of frustrating me. You know, it seems I, like they just sort of paste together different parts of the dungeon without regard for. I really don't remember together. much about that game, so. <laughs> yeah, Uncharted Three is not is I'd say the least memorable of the Uncharted games, partially because its level design isn't as strong as the as uh, Uncharted One or Two. I mean, Uncharted One has a lot of issues. That yeah, I'm going to get into right now, but it doesn't feel as strong as say the level design in Uncharted Two or Four, uh, where it seems like they really labored over how to lay out these levels and they really labored over each enemy encounter. Yeah. Uncharted 3 enemies, that's the other thing Uncharted 3 has, kind of bad enemy placement oh, yeah. where they just have enemies that troll you like, um, and they put you at a disadvantage sort of on purpose. Yeah. Eh, not great. Yeah, the last stretch of, of Uncharted 3 didn't make any sense for me. Like, geographically and like, uh, it didn't seem very organic at all. Uh, very strange. Yeah, when you're sort of wandering through the desert and you just happen upon where you need to go. Yeah, I I don't know. And then Wait, that's that's <laughs> earlier in the in the game. Never mind. See, I don't even remember the sequence of events. Yeah. Um, it's it's I'm, it's kind of silly. It's not. It's not yeah. Good. Are there any other level design frustrations you guys would like to share? Yeah, I, I so I, I'm a backer of uh, Mighty Number no. Nine, and that game has uh, some. Oh so, boy. So you know how uh, yeah. the old school Mega Man is designed in a way that almost it's like per screen and each screen you can see like, okay, these are the things that are there and I need to find a way to take the less damage. So either there are several things, ways I can do this, I can use the weapons that I have or I can just travel. It's designed in a way that you know you have like two or four different ways. Then in Mega Man X, uh, the world opens up a lot because you can dash and you can also like uh, wall jump. So the levels are more... Uh, vertical and horizontal and they're bigger in mighty number no. nine is designed in a way that is kind of like a mix of both but it doesn't work uh the screens are kind of like the mega man of old school ones but beck has this um infinite dash infinite air dash there's an infamous part in the cryo level the one the water one where you can just ignore the whole first part and just jump real high and then dash and you will finish the first bit without encountering anything else. It, right, they, right. Did not, no, they, they did not realize that they could well. do that. No, yeah, no. That, that would make me cry like an anime fan on prom night. Oh, oh Jesus <laughs> Christ. Don't even. Don't even. But the other problem with Mighty Number no. 9 is that a lot of the levels are designed in a way that the game basically tells you how to do it. Like, it, it, it throws away that whole thing in Mega Man that trying to figure it out. Basically, if you kill this enemy, it will give you like the fire uh, enhancement for your gun. And with that fire, you explode these barrels. And those barrels explode and kill this guy. And that guy gives you this and blah, blah, blah. If you don't follow the sequence, then... It becomes you, really difficult. You, right? don't, you don't feel like you're playing it correctly. And then at the end, you know, because you get scores and whatnot, you're like, oh, so I guess I need to play it like this because this is the correct way. And I think that just goes oh, against the man. Game and 
it, it's it's again the whole Mega Man ethos so of you play it. You know, yeah. I love it. When Lane number game, nine was a failure. I, I, I love it when the game tells me you're not playing playing this correctly. Right. <laughs> you gotta change. You gotta you gotta change it up a little bit because we don't like how you're playing this game. Yeah, I, like I don't mind you know scores in a level being judged on you know things I screwed up. Yeah. But what I do mind is you know giving me a very regimented path. And if I deviate from that path and still reach the solution, you tell me I'm playing it wrong, that really bogs me. Yeah. Like, I, I succeeded. I made it through the level. Why are you telling me I did it wrong? Yeah, if no, you didn't want me to do it that way, don't let me do it that way. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think right. Mighty Number 9 is because the, the, the main mechanic is the dash, and, the, and what it happens is that you need to kill the enemy and then dash really fast after after it's like uh, in this some sort of uh, stun part to get the 100%. So that means that uh, the game it always needs to be played like that. You hit the guy, then you dash, you hit the guy, and then you dash. So after you play a little bit, you see that there's clearly a way that the game is designed to be played. And I think that's just completely wrong. Like it, it needs to follow, you need to follow this path, you need to kill this guy first, dash, then this guy, and dash, then this guy, and dash, instead of what if I want to kill the third one first? What if I what if I want to use the ice, uh, you know, weapon first? No. Nope. So it doesn't really give yeah. you room to improvise or anything. Like you've got to play it the way that they want you to play it. Yeah, and, and and it's fairly obvious. Like if you mess up, you feel like, oh, okay, I broke the sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, games are like checklists. You gotta you gotta just go and go after yeah. another check. If you can't invent on the fly, it seems like you're you're being really boxed in. And that yeah. sort of level design and enemy placement yeah. um, can be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we call this podcast to a close, are there any other level design thoughts you guys would like to share? I yeah. I actually had... Ahead, Penny? Uh, I had um one other peeve that's like related to the Mega Man series and like platformers kind of in general is like whenever... like It might be more like an older game type thing like with hardware and such, but um like... Ones where, like, enemies can spawn off the screen and shoot you when you can't see them. Oh, jeez. Oh, God, I hate that. Especially in a section that's, like, like perfect, like, pixel-perfect platforming that has holes that can kill you instantly. Being hit by a bullet that you don't see, you can't see until after you jump is, like, mm-hmm. the worst. And some of the Mega Man games were, like, really guilty of doing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, like, but, you know, yeah. back to... I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say that uh, Contra is really guilty of that. And the problem is that in, in Mega Man, you get hit and it's like, oh, I lost two bars. But in Contra, you die. <laughs> it's like, Unless like, it's a platforming <laughs> section, though. Like, with holes, that's where it gets really bad, and I hate it that, so that, much. The waterfall section in Contra 1, it's basically the worst part because of that. That you don't know when they're coming. If you can even jump up and you, you don't see your... Uh, your character and you die because something hit you that you cannot see as well. It's like, oh, great. That sounds great. really terrible. You know, like, even some modern games have this problem. Do you know that in Far Cry, the first Far Cry, you can be shot through walls? (laughs) Sure. That sounds kind of cool, though. Yeah, I mean, it's like, there are some games where it's a mechanic, like in Perfect Dark, the Farsight gun can shoot through walls. But this is like a bug that was left in. You're not supposed to be able to be shot through a wall, but enemies can do it. You can't shoot through a wall, though. Oh, oh man! So that's why that's like reason number Uh, ten. Bugs are garbage. Bugs are garbage overall, everywhere. But uh, 
I would want to just, um, uh, you know, I have two games that I, I want to just say that level design in those games is, is, is amazing. Like, the first game is Castlevania 1. It's like yeah. really good asshole level design. Like, if you when it's if, like, if you have, why don't they call it Kaizovania? Then? <laughs> yeah, if you if you have to jump somewhere, there's probably a, an asshole enemy there that's that's really making your life miserable. Um, and that's I, I actually kind of share Dark Souls shares uh, that uh, level design with with Castlevania. That like, okay, exactly. Uh, at this spot, this enemy will be there, and it'll be the most inconvenient thing ever. Um, <laughs> you don't like the uh, Castlevania stairs with the Medusas going around? Ah, oh, Jesus! Those are great. On those. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the second game I would like to say it's like um, uh, Wario Land 3, uh, which is a really good platformer, the best platformer ever made, uh, in my opinion, and the. Um, the level design in that game is just incredible. It's like every level has like four different endings, uh, you, uh, because every level holds four different treasures, and it's a little bit like Metroidvania style, where you have to go through the game and then you can return to a level and then um, collect additional treasures. And sometimes, and those are the best levels, you can collect all of the treasures um, without, you know, any additional abilities. It's just that the levels are constructed so that um, there are, like, pa- different passages that uh, are interwoven and you, like, can stumble upon a completely different route through a level. And it's it's amazing. Uh, the level design in that game is just, just, just as perfect. It's a fantastic platformer, so uh, it's uh, it's on a Game Boy uh, Color. So if you ever catch it on like a virtual console, uh, I would advise you to check it out. All right, nice. and on that note, on that recommendation, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's time to call this podcast to a close. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, the podcast actually has a website avocadogamescast.wordpress.com where we post this and then we post to link dump so you can check out references to everything we talked about um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Music to search for Avocado Gamescast and that's I think all we wanted to say other than you know pledging our uh, continued allegiance to Dollar Shave Club mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. so um, anything else you guys want to add before we uh, uh, nothing. Hit the eject button. No, just just begging for money. No, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this has been a real a real lucrative endeavor for all of us. <laughs> so, thank you guys all for being on this podcast. I know uh, Andy, um, Kajigger, and Penny are all new. So, thank you guys. You guys are all great guests, Fantastic. and thank you to Science for yeah. being a returning veteran. Oh, geez, I'm I'm old and I'm I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used up, like with all is, rag. Used up all your energy. Exactly. Everyone is all um, against Penny, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm still pretty young. I think. Mm-hmm. Not really. I, I feel old now. Um, I feel old every time I have uh, like I have Penny. Every time I have Stoneheart on the podcast, I feel old. You know, as long as we're me. playing video games, we're young at heart. Exactly. <laughs> uh, on that note. Sure. Thank you all for listening. 
And we'll see you next time. Goodbye now. Bye. 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 Bye.